Welcome to today's episode of The Power of Reinvention. Here we talk with my guests about the dreams, the visions, and the passions that individuals have every day and dare to explore them. Whether it's business or personal, you're entitled to live the life that you want, and no matter what the circumstances, you have the power to create success, fulfill your dreams, and live with passion. That's what I'm talking about. So dare greatly, and happy reinventing, folks. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Power of Reinvention. I'm very excited to have with me today my guest, Jen Prince. Hi, Jen. Hi, Kathy. So good to have you here. Um, For those who don't know, we launched The Power of Reinvention as a follow-up to my book, Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, which launched ironically, not so ironically, at the beginning of the pandemic after years of working on this incredible book and all of the content and writing blogs and having a platform and a media brand that really addresses the power of reinvention. My book decides to launch on March 7th, 2020, right before the pandemic sent everybody scurrying home. But the good news is that it gave me a platform and probably a time and space to really allow people to dig into this conversation. And our virtual chats became sort of business and personal therapy for a couple of years for a lot of people, and then launched the podcast, The Power of Reinvention, just a year and a half ago. So I'm super excited to invite incredible people on the podcast to have these conversations about different places in our lives that we can reinvent or tweak something that is going on to create the life that we want. So having Jenna on the show today is a real privilege, and I'm going to share a little bit about your background, Jen, for those who don't know you. Um, Jen has been the at the LA Rams, the Los Angeles Rams, since December 2021 as the first ever chief commercial officer responsible for all brand and media partnerships and sponsorships. She previously spent nearly nine years at Twitter, or as we know it now, X, as the global VP and head of content partnerships and managing director of global media and entertainment partnerships. Prior to joining Twitter in August 2013, Jennifer spent over 25 years in media, advertising, content, biz dev, and partnerships at companies such as Google, American Greetings, Dow Jones, and Ziff Davis. She's also on the boards of Hershey Entertainment and Resorts, System One, and Versus Systems, and she's an investor in C2 Ventures. How she does all of this is beyond me because she also has three daughters under the age of 14 and juggles one amazing life. So, Jen, I am so appreciative of you finding half an hour to spend with us and to be a part of this conversation. So, thanks, hon. Great to see you. Pleasure. So I've had the privilege of getting to know Jen personally, and she is one of my most favorite people. And I think I can say that across the board. You are just a light and an amazingly brilliant businesswoman. And I really just would love to delve into a little bit of your background and your story and and the magic of what you've been doing in your life all these years. Um, Reading that background and that bio, it's like, wait a minute. You know, A, you don't seem old enough to have done all of those things for all of that time. And yet your expertise and where you are um, says so much. And, you know, I know that like all of us women and, and probably a lot of men now in life, we juggle so many pieces 
and we've we've got a lot to you know a lot on our plate and a lot of responsibilities but i think when we love what we do it's really fun and i feel like you and i both kind of live our lives that way we're very kindred spirits in that manner but I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back to a moment in time when you had no idea what was in store for you. And I feel like we all live that every day. We never know what's coming next. But when you were a young girl, when you were maybe five or 10 or even 15, did you have any idea what you wanted to do when you grew up? Who was little Jen? It's a great question. It does bring me back uh, many decades. Uh, so thank you for that. So my parents both worked, my mom worked, and so I knew I always wanted to have a career. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I don't think there was like a specialty in mind, right, even coming out of you know, high school and going into college. Um, I happened to pick something. I got my BA in communications that then did transpire into marketing and advertising and content. And, and I think we just need to have a moment acknowledging that we have the same alma mater, UC Santa Barbara. Good, which, good so for us. But as a little one, I remember I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to have a career. My dad was in the music industry and entertainment industry. And so that was sizzly and exciting right to be a part of the grammy awards and a lot of cool events because of his career and background and so i knew i wanted to touch what was in the heart and soul of people whether it was music or film or television or communication or marketing in some capacity um, but more importantly i knew i wanted to build a family and I wanted to dive into something that I cared about, that I was passionate for. It didn't necessarily need to be like my extreme passion. Um, it needed to be something that I had interest in, I could connect with. And because I quickly learned I wanted to be on the partnership side, um, I knew that being somewhat of an extrovert would potentially help me there yeah. and getting to know people and human connection and trust and relationships. And so I think I got a little lucky in the path that I picked. But as a little one, I just knew I wanted to do something that was meaningful, yeah. more so than knowing exactly what I wanted yeah. to do. It's funny because I think, you know, when you have that proclivity to be social and connection, like I knew coming out of college that I wanted to be in something that involved people. Um, I felt that way. I'd sort of moved around my whole life. And so making friends came naturally to me. And so I definitely had that sort of orientation and wanted to be in a business or a career where I had to do that more than just sit behind a computer and a desk and get buried in a, you know, a, a small dark room or something. Um, so I, I feel like we attract that when we have a yeah. sense of ourselves and we kind of lean into something that may enable us to do that. So yeah, I started in the PR business knowing that that's kind of what I wanted around me. And I love that because it feels like you really have done that. Um, you know, do you feel like there were a lot of hurdles that you went through to get through various career levels as you were changing these jobs, companies, especially in the tech space, um, very male dominated, um, you know, as a woman, a young woman at that time in your early stages of your career, did you find that there were barriers of entry? Did you recognize, you know, the issues of the either pay gap or, you know, female, male inequality in the workplace? Were you cognizant of that? And were you trying to sort of push against that at all? 
always aware and cognizant. I think I got really, really lucky in picking not only companies to work for and brands to work for, but really great leaders. Um, many female leaders early in my career, um, always a nice mix of male, female from leadership on down where it was either Ziff Davis or American Greetings to Google and YouTube and Twitter. I, I was pretty lucky with the people I worked for. And so even though you can only plan so much, right, the unplanned is will you really land with people who want to grow um, and really mentor and develop younger talent and I really had the right people there. So as much as I was always aware of it, I never felt like I was at a disadvantage. And this was mostly in media and publishing and even in technology, because when you're on the sales side or the partnership side or the strategic alliances side of business, right, it's, it's generally pretty mixed. Um, and even within tech, of course, when I started at Twitter, I wanted to create movement and a lot of noise around females in that environment and got to be a really big part of Twitter women and Twitter parents and working with a lot of women who were earlier stage. But I really, I think, was fortunate to never have any experiences that really threw me off. And my male and female leaders have become some of my best friends, still in touch with them. They're mentors. They're people I go to for guidance. Um, so other than just realizing when you're talked down to or feel like there's a moment of this condescending tone, right, instead of just sitting back, I've used, I've learned to use my voice and to actually say, like, this doesn't feel right or this doesn't feel fair or why are you asking me in that tone? But that took confidence and that took years to build the confidence to try to just kind of nip it in the bud of getting interrupted in a room where it was more male dominated. So it's not that I haven't been around it, aware yeah. of it, conscious of it. I think I've just been pretty lucky and or at a place in my career at the right time to use my voice to not let it happen. I love that. And I love that you speak to using your voice because it's not easy for everybody. But I think if you can test the waters, if you can speak up, if you can find somebody that's an ally that you can fight in or can talk it through with and figure out how to approach it, how to nip it in the bud before something escalates and recognize, as you clearly did in the moment, that you were entitled to do something about it. I think that's so important for all of us. I mean, a big word around the topic of reinvention that I always speak of is our need to feel entitled to have what we want, to be who we are, to use our voice, to know that that is our right. And when we start with that sense of entitlement in the most positive way, at least we're now at a precipice of doing something about that, taking action, to be an advocate for ourselves. And I love what you said even about the mentors in your life. There are people in our lives that create and have so much value. And I don't think people always realize how much someone appreciates being a mentor. I yes. too have been mentoring young people for 30 plus years running my global marketing agency. And there is nothing I love more than helping pay it forward to young people coming up behind us, men and women who are looking for that foot in the door, that exposure, that information, that opportunity. We have a great intern program here. 
And when we can do that, and when we recognize the value that mentors come in our lives, and we're not afraid to ask for help or some knowledge or their opinion on something, I'm sure you probably went through multiple, you know, career moves where you're at a crossroads and you're like, do I go left? Do I go right? Which way, what's going to serve me and taking advantage of those moments. So you speak to mentors, are they calculated mentors or are they just people that you now recognize as being those people in your life? I think that in business, my mentors have been on all sides. So one has been my boss twice. She's incredible. And I go to her still with, you know, big decisions, um, mostly business, but also personal. Then there was a client and a partner who was male and who was awesome. And he really helped me through a big decision of leaving Google and going to Twitter, right, which had its risks at the time. And it's, hard to leave Google yet. I've done it twice. Um, and so just helping me through that. And so both of those individuals are still in my life in that way. And then I have people who are like on the periphery where I met them through business, but they've become friends. And now I go to them just on how to tackle certain things or how to handle things, right? We all need the sounding board of a mentor. And I also love to mentor and give back. So much so that I have so many people coming towards me and only so much time to help that I wish I had like a whole other, you know, 40 hours a week plus to give towards giving back. So maybe in the future, that's something that I focus on as something more full time. I'm either retired or diversifying or in a stage where I'm not working very full time to be able to give back in that way to those younger in their careers. And I have to say, you know, it's really interesting because I deal with that a lot as well. And I think that by leading by example, even for those that we mentor or that we touch, if they're seeing the work you do, the disposition you have, the way you handle things, that alone sometimes can be a form of mentorship for those who are kind of watching what you're doing. It might be through your LinkedIn page and the stories you're sharing and the accolades of what's going on. And it gives them a sense of knowing and being able to say, hey, I want to be like that when I grow up. I want to do those things. So there's almost a passive way that we can share a little bit of that. And I think that's something that you do. I know it's something I do. And it is a way to hopefully support, you know, some of those other younger folks that are coming up and not always younger. I mean, look, there are a lot of our peers who yeah. are at, at um, pivotal career moments, figuring out where to go, what to do, looking at direction, and you know, to take. So I think there is a way to always do that and to be mindful of it. Um, Would you feel that there were kind of what I call aha moments, really seminal moments in your career, even in your personal life where you had to kind of stop and go, okay, take a breath, really think about this. What is going to be the best path forward? Do I go left? Do I go right? I mean, what would you consider an aha moment that you feel did put you in the right place at the right time? Is there a moment in time, especially factoring three young children into into that process. Never easy. Yes. So it's a great question. So I probably have had many. And the good news is I was typically in such a good situation in a job to make that next change really needed to be something special. It needed to be something different. 
And I always have committed to myself that I will never leave a job unless there is more of something. It could be title, it could be responsibility, it could be handling more in some business that I've always wanted to handle and get my hands into, it could be financial, but there always had to be at least one, if not many, where it was something more. So I would probably say most recently leaving Twitter almost after nine years to go to the Los Angeles Rams, it was a huge change and it was during the pandemic. Right. And so making decisions during the pandemic is also scary. I think I got lucky in that I left a big global business and a big global job and I had all the right resources and our business was doing well and everything was healthy and up to the right. And I was a year into running this content business and I was learning a ton from so many people on my team and in the industry Yet when I got the opportunity to work for a Los Angeles team in the NFL, I'm born and raised Los Angeles, I also had just moved seven months prior to Agora Hills, which is a suburb in Los Angeles, and I found out that the Los Angeles Rams headquarter (laughs) was in Agora Hills. Which I just need to comment for those all over the country or the world listening very few businesses are in Agora Hills. So (laughs) that is quite extraordinary. Yes. And so for someone who not only with three children ages 14 and under had always commuted entire career, at least an hour each way Mm. to an office of sorts, um, for me to have a seven minute drive, no freeway, that was game changing as I do have these preteens and teens. I need to be more present traveling the globe when the world was going to, you know, open up and and be out and about again. It was a touch daunting. And so I think just the stars aligned or someone, maybe my father who passed away in 19, brought me this very interesting opportunity within sports, which he loved. Um, And so for me to be sitting in a moment in time where I could leave something, even though it was really, really good. Right. Twitter was a very hard place to leave because it was literally family yeah. um, after all those years of helping build a business from pre-IPO to where it was. Right. Anyway. And the timing, I just have and to, the timing you know, and coming to the Los Angeles Rams two and a half months before we then won the Super Bowl. Um, and so all of it was pretty much magical. And I got lucky because it was a big decision to work at a global business to then an LA local team, although NFL, although 7 billion in you know, valuation, it is a smaller business with fewer than 300 employees. And so it was a big change. Anyway, I am really loving the decision I made. And so I think there's only so many pro con lists you can make. Yeah. Some of it has to be from the gut and from inside and from the heart. And so going back to when I was a little girl and I knew I wanted to do something like you with people Um, And also just, you know, within a business that I cared about and I could be passionate for, you know, this was a touchdown, as I'll say, in a decision to be made at this stage in my career with my daughters, the ages that they are, um, and the location and geography and the love for L.A. And I get to put it all towards one thing, which is the Los Angeles Rams now, which is awesome. I love that. It's precious. um, And you know, being out where you are, it's just such an incredible environment where you are. I've spent time in the headquarter offices there and they're beautiful offices. And to have that in your backyard and be able to not commute, 
I've had yeah. 30 years of getting to pick and choose where I want my office and it's never been more than what, four and a half or five minutes from my home. So I can appreciate right that. Right. That up. right. It's great. And you're right. When you're juggling family, I mean, that is a huge responsibility and you're a very present, very hands-on parent as, as you and your husband both appear to be. And, you know, you want to do your best. And that's something that we struggle with as parents. I want to just say as women, I think there are incredible fathers that are hands-on in this day and age or single parents. Where do you see the challenge as, as good as it is and you are and you as, as parents are? Where do you see the challenge in that? And how, how do you deal with that? Because I think that's something that so many of us are constantly, there is no balance. It, it's always a juggling act. It's prioritizing by the moment and the second sometimes. And we're always giving up one thing for another. How do you, how do you sort of work through that? How do you calibrate that, you know, from a personal standpoint? Yeah, so work-life balance is just everywhere, right? The decisions that we have to make, the striking that balance that we're all looking for, it's kind of like always on my mind. Um, I couldn't do it without my husband, who is such an incredible father, so present, has always worked from home, so had a touch more flexibility in afternoons and mornings. And really, it's a partnership. And mm. there's just so much to say about finding the right partner for so many reasons, but also someone who can help all sides, both parents be successful in what they do. Um, and so that's number one. Two is, you know, instead of asking for permission, and I think this is a little later in your career where you find the confidence to do this, it's, I am going to this event at the school. I will be in at 10 o'clock, not nine o'clock in the morning. It's asking for permission. It's finding if you have meetings and you have an hour in between, you sneak in the manicure real quickly or whatever right. else is on your mind while your AirPods are in and you're doing phone calls. It's getting a little creative and crafty with finding how to do it all. Yeah. And we all have this always on life and all of our devices and all the apps on our devices are always on. And you really need to, I think, calendar yourselves for some things that you don't find time to do. So like for me, just finding time to exercise. It's not that in the morning I can't. Sometimes I want to sit and just have coffee with a lull before my day gets crazy. Yeah. So it's also just listening to yourself and what you need in that moment. Um, but I would say that giving yourself the permission, not always asking and the grace and the grace and the grace and before things get crazy, finding that space to just keep the calm. Um, and then also when you work and do what you love to do, right. It makes a lot of difference. So if I am gone from my family, I'm not doing something that's painful, <laughs> that's hard to do. It's something that I really enjoy doing. So although this business that I'm in now is so much hospitality, it is always on. And I'm finding that I'm getting a little bit lethargic in moments where I didn't in the past. It's also age is creeping up <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I'm hiding it, but it's there. And so I think it's um, once again, another thing that I'm trying to do is finding the time and the place and the energy to say no to things. Yeah. And so I have a hard time doing that. And I also love being out and about, but when I am home and when the unplanned is there, nothing is on that calendar on a Saturday 
what can come of that with a family where there aren't all these plans, it's really special because then you can together decide what you're going to go do. And you have these impromptu moments that are awesome. But with three preteen teenagers, it's a busy, busy life right now. Um, And I don't know if I understood as the kids got older, how busy it gets, right? With sports and activities and different plans and um, families, everything. So that comes first. So I think it's just striking that balance in your own ways. And for me, it's saying no, giving myself the permission and being creative with when I do have a little bit of time, how to how to use it. I love that. Um, you know, ditto, ditto, ditto. I've lived at my boys now 24 and 27 and running my own business, you know, having children, you know, no, there was no maternity leave when you run your own business. It's a 24 seven thing and had a husband likewise, who was fully hands-on gave me the flexibility when I needed it. Um, you know, I wore being a parent on my sleeve. It was like, I am picking up my, my kids at 3 PM from school today. And if a client wanted to talk, I'd say, I wouldn't make up an excuse that I was in another meeting. I would say, I can't. That's when I pick my children up, but I would love to talk to you at four o'clock when I get back to the office. And that gave me an hour of the pickup time, the conversations with the kids when they walked off the playground that you would not get three hours later at the dinner table, the, the moment True. that you could show up. And it wasn't every day and it wasn't absolute. I used to define success as making it to the dinner table with my family because of how much I was juggling, wanting to be out and about and business and networking and schmoozing and growing a company or being there for clients. It was all of that. And there is a time where you just have to, yes, give yourself permission to say no to things. You know, I'll miss this one, but I'll go to the next one and understand the value of the payoff and what it meant to the children. And when they become old enough to say to you, please don't go on that trip. Please come to my soccer game. You know, it's like, oh, it just pulls your heart out. But they also grow up knowing, respecting, appreciating the importance and the value of us as working mothers, working women. And there is so much that we are teaching them if we know how to be present, if we know how to put our phone down when we're with them and say, I'm present right here, right now, or excuse yourself as I think we need to do with a lot of people not act like we're talking to them, but be looking at our phone, but say, excuse me a moment. I need to check these messages. Give me five minutes. And then I'm fully present again. And understanding that, you know, we all have to juggle things, all of us at any age, no matter what we're doing and being able to do that and giving ourselves that grace and not beating ourselves up right over, over how we manage all of that, because we're all living it. And, you know, like you said, that always on devices all around. So, you know, the work has to give a little, the personal has to give a little and we find that space. Right. And and it takes a little bit of time, but everyone finds it. Yeah. Eventually. Um, Other things that, you know, we, a lot of people talk about sort of the fear, the fear of change, the fear of risk. And, you know, that, that fear in that moment of, do I take that job or not? You know, what if I fail? We redefine or define those words in so many different ways. Are there ways in your world, in your life, in your experiences that you've sort of taken those moments where there's been fear, whether it's the fear of failure or the fear of risk or, How do you interpret those words in your world? And I ask that because so many people are frozen 
by the fear of a decision to move, to pivot, to stay in something that is not serving them. It may be a relationship. It may be something they're doing for their health that they're not choosing to pivot on. It may be in their career. Are there ways that these words sort of play in your world and how have you sort of overcome moments or those challenges? Yeah, so I, ever since being a little girl, I happen to love change. To me, change brings opportunity. And so if anything, I maybe shouldn't have put myself out there in a few of these moments to look at another job or to take that phone call when I was so happy where I was, yet it's okay to say no. Thank you for thinking of me. I'm humbled. And it's also okay if it then is like, oh my goodness, this just became a real opportunity and it was unplanned, but it's real and now it's a decision to be made. So fear for me, I, I, I tend to question the way I do things or I can sabotage a little bit in terms of my strength in moments and feeling like maybe I handled something um, in a way where I could have done it differently. So I think the fear is more in my head about how I'm doing. Very hard on myself when I'm public speaking and if I got all those words in or all those lines that I wanted to make sure to cover or did I do it in the right order, right? And just I'm hard on myself, I would say, with public speaking. So there's there's definitely fear, yet I get excited to public speak. I'm just hard on myself after the fact. Right. And the more you prepare, the better you do. Definitely. <laughs> I, just, I just did. I'm doing these advisory and consulting sessions now on public speaking, media training, presentations. And, you know, yes. that's exactly the more prepared you are, yeah. the more confident and the more naturally and authentically that will yes. come in your delivery. Yeah. And that's even when you're a little girl in class and you raise your hand or not, or you get called on to speak. I had that same like moment of, oh my gosh, am uh, I going to say it correctly or do it right? Or do I have the right answers? But you put yourself out there and worst case, you didn't do it perfectly, right? There is no perfect. There is no perfect. Yes. And so I think for me, the fear is more in my own head about moments in business, right? But then I'm told, oh, you did that, you know, in a way that was so great. I learned from you. So I think, you know, getting the humans helping each other and responding to each other helps with change and fear and opportunity. Um, but for me, everything that I've done where it has been making a change, even though we're all scared in moments of change or getting the strength to make a big life decision, and I've had some big life decisions on my personal side, um, and you just hope you get it right, right? Yeah. Life is a journey and it's a long one. And a lot of it is planned and a lot of it's unplanned and finding the balance and the mix of it all and having people help you make decisions, right? Some of those decisions will be good ones and some won't be. So a lot of people are like, oh my goodness, Jen, your timing, I'm leaving Twitter and going to the Rams. Like, it's crazy. Everyone's talking about it. <laughs> I didn't know right. anything, right? I just got really Divine lucky. intervention. <laughs> I just got lucky. I think my yeah. dad had something to do with it. Aww. And so anyway, um, I think... I lean into change because I know that even in the workplace, if there's change, someone's leaving in a certain role, it creates space and opportunity for others, right? And we all have to trust why people leave or how they leave. And so for me, I think I flip it on its head and look at it as something really positive to embrace, learn from, 
and get to develop and grow with instead of it just being something like, oh my God, this change is going to crush me. So I think it's just amazing more than anything. I love that. I I love that. Again, so, so aligned there as well. As I said earlier, having moved around so much, I used to look at change as adventure. And that for me was the way I define change in my life. Oh, a new school. Oh, new friends. Oh, a new country. Oh, I get to learn something new. And again, maybe I was blessed to have parents that gave me that perspective. But I often say, I talk about it in the book and in these conversations, if we just put on rose-colored glasses for a moment and look at the world through a different lens for a few moments and try it on. We may actually open ourselves up to a different way to experience something when we are feeling that way. And imposter syndrome can be a really fabulous thing because it is leaning into something we're not yet comfortable with, but that we want to create and see ourselves as. And I think we have to allow ourselves, again, that grace to be open to it, to not get stuck in those ways. And you are a beacon of that. And I just love what you've been able to share. So before we sign off, um, I want to ask you a fun question. If you were to have a dinner party and be able to invite some people who have really impacted you in some way that you'd love to meet that would make you laugh or you're curious to have a conversation, you can have three or four people at that table. Who might that be? Oh my goodness. So I think I would have my three daughters. Oh, yes. my mom. Yes. Michelle Obama. Oh, yes. And then my grandparents, grandmas, let's say, since this is a, a table of stellar women. Yes. And girls. And my, my grandmas and great grandmas to come back who were a mm. part of my life left too soon. Then I had my own children. And then I think Michelle Obama would be our guest because we really like to talk about when they go low, we go high. Uh, Just it's been her presence in my girls' lives at that time. Um, Her book, everything, hearing her speak in a variety of ways has been really meaningful, I think, for women and girls alike. And for our family, she would be our guest in addition to some generational grandparents. I love that. And I almost feel like, you might have to invite your dad to that too, because he's so, gonna, he's going to be so proud of all. He's going to be so proud of all of you. So if okay, so if one man's to show up, I would love for it to be my dad. But yeah. at first, I was going to say my dad with my girls, but he's with us. He just oh, left. Nice. He's still with us. He's with us. Yeah. Well, I love that, and that is so precious. I just. I feel like you create that, Jen, in your life every day. So it's a privilege and an honor for you to be my friend and business colleague and a guest on The Power of Reinvention. I thank you so much for your time, your insights, and sharing a bit of yourself and your perspective. And thank you for that. So, Of course. Thank you for the platform to be able to speak with you in this way. I love it. And for those... Thank you. And for those who want to learn more about Jem Prince and what she's up to, we will share details in the show notes. You can reach her on LinkedIn. And um, thanks for joining us on another episode of The Power of Reinvention. Have a wonderful day and happy reinventing. Thanks for listening to The Power of Reinvention. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Wouldn't mind a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. 
Also, be sure to visit thereinventionexchange.com to share your reinvention stories, suggest a guest, join the newsletter mailing list, get access to my book, which is called Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, and discover fantastic bonus content with my blogs and listen in to the Reinvention Virtual Chat series. Don't forget to join me next week for another episode. Please share with a friend and thank you for listening. Happy reinventing.